me, Kimba, Radio Broad, Episode 2, Get a Job. And as I mentioned in Episode 1, with staying at home and the social distancing, that I hadn't seen toilet paper in the stores for about two months, so I finally got up at the crack of crack, because that's when I'm told you have to get up to get the toilet paper. And and after two months of empty shelves, I scored the next to last package of toilet paper. Now, this is not the six pack that I am usually excited about, but things are different now. Our grocery store has one-way aisles now to help with the social distancing. Are people adhering to the arrows? No. Are people listening to the limit one or limit per person, however many it is? No. (laughs) Welcome to Florida. (laughs) And I also mentioned in episode one that I will take requests. This is a podcast about all things radio. And one of the questions I am asked most often, how did I get in the business? Did I always know that I wanted to be on the radio? And Ward, thank you, added to that. He he wrote me, um, who was your favorite South Florida DJ growing up? Did you meet him? question mark. But truth be told, back then, most of the DJs did fall under the him category. And uh, did you meet him before you became our legendary jock? Well, thank you for very much for that last part. I'll take it. Sure. The short answer to the first question is I don't really have one that I listened to that I could. Yeah, I don't really have one, which also answers the second question. But eventually, I came to know quite a few local DJs by name and then got to meet them and a lot of circumstances and instances got to work with them. So that's the short answer. And the long answer will be this podcast, the first of what I hope to be many musical shares. I I don't know if this is the case for every person who became a DJ, but my parents loved music. If we didn't have records or the radio on even TV, Lawrence Welk and Hee Haw, (laughs) lots of music, which also describes the dichotomy in my parents' musical taste. My mother loved country music, so I was raised on Country Sunshine, WWOK. That was the AM country station around here. And also, my dad was the crooner variety, uh, the Dean Martin, Perry Como, Nat King Cole, Burl Ives even. I know he's he's more of a folk singer, but he's much more uh, than the holly jolly animated Sam the Snowman that you see every holiday. And then my brother, who is several years older than me, was the rock guy, the Elton John, Jethro Tull, the Who, Aerosmith, etc. And at that time, Elton John was considered rock. Aerosmith and Queen, bands like that were considered heavy metal. There were no Panteras or Metallica yet. When I was a, a wee thing, my friend next door, she and I put on a recital for our parents. And we sang the song, Get a job. And I think it was her mom who liked the oldies, but what a bizarre song for two really young girls to sing. But maybe that was my man voice beginnings. <laughs> I'm oft mistaken for a man. Thankfully, it's over the phone or in a drive through, not yet in person. But uh, hence my other podcast that I do with my bud, Mitch Phillips, called Man Voices. Check that out as well. We did that recital for some strange reason. And then my best friend and I used to listen to the radio all the time. And it was she and it was Zeta 4 here in South Florida. And those were the two rock stations. And we lived and breathed them. And also the thing that at the time to do was record the radio on a, on a tape deck, a cassette tape deck, 
quality was horrible. We're talking in the background while the songs are playing. But uh, it, I guess it's kind of like doing selfies today, close as I can come to it. But luckily, I still had a couple of these cassettes. Upon transferring these to another source, I found this gem. December 3rd, 1980, Live Aerosmith in Boston, Theta 4. Who knew that I would end up working there? one day. So we had she and we had Zeta 4 and then a station called K102 joined the fray and I absolutely love that station rock of the 80s. But at this time, at this point in time, I couldn't tell you who was on the air on any of these stations. I would come to find out and even work with them, but then no. And then Zeta and K102 went away and she was the only rock station in town for a little bit. This was early 80s and that is when my best friend and I, that's when we started paying attention to who was on the air. Herman and McBean were in the morning and they had something called the ticket window. And the reason I remember that is not only because you could win stuff, is that the theme music for the ticket window I had come to learn was from the porn film Deep Throat. They could tell me it wasn't, but I'm fairly certain it was. Don't ask me how I know that. Let's let's just go with that. Okay. Also, in no particular order, because I don't necessarily remember who worked together at the same time. Uh, Nancy G and Randy Thomas were the ladies at She, and then you had uh, Michael D'Alfonso and uh, Drew Townsend. And then there was this guy who was part-time who used to host the Saturday Night Party, where he would play 103 songs in a row by request. Wink, wink. His name was Paul something Novo. (laughs) That's right. Paul Castronovo was a part-time Saturday Night DJ. Once upon a time, during that era, I became began to pay attention to who was on the air, and my friend and I would call and make requests. And then one time, we actually went to the radio station, and Drew Townsend was on the air. And uh, more than likely, the reason that that all happened is because of my friend. If you saw what she looked like, you'd understand completely. Meanwhile, I, once in the studio, I'm looking at the board and the mechanics of everything. And I'm asking him questions. And then I asked him because I saw the phones were ringing. I asked him if I could answer the phones. And he said yes. And that was probably my first really, truly eureka moment of, ooh, I want to do this. This is cool. Answering the phones. And, you know, he, he was more than happy to let me do it. So the other guy who worked there, who I talked to, went by the name of Steve Stansel. And he is the jock that I asked where I could go, what school I should go to, where I could go to learn and become a a DJ. And he's the one who told me to go to Miami Lakes Technical Education Center, which is part of the Dade County, Miami-Dade County Public Schools. And the teacher was a guy named Bob Gaynor. So I went there and I had to have a, a meeting with Bob and he asked me why I wanted to get into radio And I had all this confidence because of how much I was into all of this. And I loved music and I loved the radio. And that's what I told him how much I love music. And he said, that is the worst reason to get into this business. Brady deflated. (laughs) Yet uh, I was undeterred. And he saw that. So he let me in the class. And as part of being part of the school system, they had a allotted amount of time on the public radio station, LRN, to give us, I believe it was an hour a week that we got, and we were called Tomorrow's Broadcasters Today, and it was there that I learned the equipment and the names of parts, pinch roller, capstan, all that kind of crazy stuff, and how to read and write a newscast. Poor Bob really, really, really wanted me to be a news anchor, 
but I was set on being a music DJ. Sorry, Bob. I remember spending hours upon hours in one of the studios practicing, trying to hone my skills, and I would have Bon Jovi Slippery When Wet album. Yes, it was an album. Practicing intros and outros, and then some of us would spend time in the production studio. We would be listening to Stairway to Heaven backwards on a two-track tape. Yes, I heard it. I did. (laughs) We also would make up promos, is what we call them. Uh, advertising the station and what it does. So we practiced with those. It was kind of like this. Cindy. Yeah, Biff. This 91 LRN is really nifty. I know, Biff. The songs are really groovy. Yeah, pure gold hits. What a peachy idea. So, like, where does this 91 LRN get its double play? I mean, like, okay, like, I know double, like, means two, and it's, like, on the radio, so, like, it's got to be songs, and, like, it's two songs from, like, the same artist or the same year. So it's, like, two, it's, like, double. It's, like, songs, it's, like, play. I mean, it's just, like, a double play. Totally. (laughs) Delightful, aren't they? (laughs) So I started class and I went August or September of 1986. And by December, I had gotten a job. Bob had connections with all the radio. He's very well respected. So they always went to him if they needed somebody. And they needed what was called a board op, which is short for board operator at uh, INZ, which is a news station. And a board op is a person that's behind the scenes that runs the equipment for the news anchor or the talk show host or the syndicated show, whatever it may be, meaning that um, you're the person responsible for turning on or turning off the microphone, maybe hitting the commercials or answering uh, calls that you'll put in the queue for the talk show host to answer, uh, maybe plugging in local commercials during a nationally syndicated show. So it was there I learned board work, keeping everything tight, not letting a lot of loose empty spaces. We call it dead air where there's no sound coming out. I had to learn how to take transmitter readings. I even had to go outside and make sure that the radio tower light was functioning and on. Otherwise, if it wasn't, I had to call the FAA because it was an airline issue. I learned how to change a dictaphone, which again is not as dirty as it sounds. That is the contraption that would record all of the on-air stuff in case Neil Rogers or um, any of the talk show hosts were accused of saying anything. (laughs) <laughs> that they shouldn't. Now, they're all computerized. Everything's done for you. You don't necessarily have to do any of that. But back in the day, it was all manual, very hands-on. And Neil's board up at the time, he had his own, was a guy by the name of Kyle Isley. And he was my main teacher for being a board up. So I got to sit in during when Neil would be on and, and watch Kyle tear up collars so that was a hoot. And that could be another story for another time. And, and I was also still in broadcast school. Bob was just the greatest teacher you would ever want to have. He was very serious, but he was also very fun and very much incur- encouraged creativity. He was adamant about it, in fact. Um, never say something the same way twice. In fact, he would give you a bit of information Uh, something he'd want you to say on the air, but you'd have to come up with five different ways to say it. And I learned so much from him. I still use a lot of his teachings to this very day. And finally, though, back in the day, February 3rd, 1987, I got my shot to be on the air on LRN as one of tomorrow's broadcasters today. And this is a little bit of it. FM 91. Hi there. You got Kimpa here pouring out two and a half decades of your favorites. So drink up and savor the flavor of South Florida's music alternative. FM 91. It's hip to be here. FM 91. FM 91. Within this half hour, you're going to hear from Kansas, Simply Red, and Journey. And if you've got a song that you want to hear, call me at 809 of Atlanta Vest Extension 138. 
FM 91. Well, it's time for Kim to fly. David Reuters up next with more your favorites. That was my too cool for school voice. Hmm? I was already uh, aboard up at the uh, other station. And then I had my go at school. And the station that was across the building from me was called 95INZ, Rockin' with Class. But in 1987, early 1987, they flipped back to classic rock Zeta 4 which had been off the air since 1981. So I was over there as much as I could. I'd be talking to all the DJs as much as I could, trying to get some information. One in particular, Scott Legere, was extremely kind and helpful. And he was also an excellent jock and just taught me how to have fun. Don't be so rigid and don't try to be so announcery and and be so, you know, loosen up a little bit. Have fun. You take it seriously, but you have fun with it. So when a part-timer was leaving, Scott told the PD, Pete Bolger, about me. Pete told Scott, hey, have her bring a tape over. We'll listen to it. Well, I was petrified because <laughs> even though I wanted it, I wanted this job, I was extremely, extremely shy at the time, which I know seems weird, but would remain so for many years. I've, I've since gotten over it, but I was paralyzed. So Scott literally walked over to where I was board hopping, got me, got my air check, walked me over, introduced me to Pete, handed him my tape. And I am forever grateful to Scott because very soon after, Pete said to me, can you start this coming weekend? And I said, oh, let me check my schedule. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. Here's the air check that I did. That got me in an air check. Well, you'll hear what it is. Just me talking so they can hear what I sound like coming in and out of songs. That here's the one that got me the job at Zeta. 94.9 Zeta 4 quality rock and roll. October 31st, we are going mad. And we're going to be in costume while we do it. It's Zeta's Masquerade Madness Fun Run. It's to benefit the National Kidney Foundation. And it's just the start of our huge Halloween party. We're going to be partying with magicians, psychics. We're going to have a costume contest, lots of food, yum yum, and lots of live music. Free registration for the fun run is only 8 bucks. It's brought to you by the City of Fort Lauderdale Parks and Recreation Department, the National Kidney Foundation, and Zeta 4. We are back. Trim. Uh, this girl just can't help it. She was raised on quality rock and roll, 94.9 Zeta 4. We've got more variety from the 60s, 70s, and 80s. 94.9 Zeta 4. So my very first show on Zeta was in 1987 on my dad's birthday, October 11th. It was a Sunday morning. It was midnight to 6 a.m., so an overnight shift. And this is what that sounded like, a little bit of it anyway, not the whole thing for sure, because <laughs> it's long. Kimbo along with Steve Winwood helping us through 16 songs in a row. Quality rock and roll, nobody gives you more. 94.9 Zeta 4. 94.9 Zeta 4 quality rock and roll. The official Zeta bumper sticker. No, this is not just a sticky piece of paper. This little guy can get you compact discs, concert tickets, maybe a trip to London. Just hightail it down to any participating Dry Clean USA between now and October 28th. Grab a Zeta sticker, fill out the entry form in the back, listen for your license number. If you hear it, get back to us within an hour and say, what a win. Here's an old tune come back to life, Billy Idol style. Quality rock and roll, 94.9, Zeta 4. Neil Rogers on rock and roll. Well, like rock and roll, I mean, what? Neil Rogers, starting Monday at 94.9, Zeta 4. Unbelievable. Rod the Bod, quality rock and roll, 94.9, Zeta 4. 
They sound like something right out of England, but we've got them courtesy of the Peach State. The new one from REM, it's called The One I Love, Quality Rock and Roll, 94.9 Zeta 4. Zeta welcomes these boys November 1st at the Orange Bowl. Floyd on Quality Rock and Roll, nobody gives you more of it. 94.9 Zeta 4. So that was my very first show on Zeta, and you may have heard the Neil Rogers promo in there. And his run on Zeta, he went from AM to FM, but started the very next morning. And that would probably be another podcast for another time. I can't say, though, how happy I am that Scott heard something in what I was doing. Maybe he thought I just deserved a shot. Peter, he definitely needed somebody as a female. I checked off a bunch of boxes, but, you know, he said he heard something as well. You may listen to that and be like, what? But uh, I'm so grateful for the opportunity because I was by now a full-time board op. So it went like this. I worked six to midnight, Monday through Thursday. And then I worked Saturday and Sunday, midnight to six. And then Sunday, I also worked 6 a.m. to noon board opping for talk shows for six hours. So yes, you heard right. It was a 12-hour shift where I'd come in at midnight and I'd do I'd be on Zeta for six hours. And then I'd run over and I would do the six hours answering phone calls for a talk show and did that for quite some time. I think until April of 88, because then I got the full time overnight shift on Zeta. And the boss on the board op side did not want to let me go. But uh, that again, another story for another podcast, I prevailed, I ended up on Zeta overnights. And yes, and that's the other thing, there used to be live DJs on overnights, there used to be somebody on the air live all the time that is since changed significantly. But that's where you get a lot of practice too. That's where I got to do try out a lot of stuff, fail at a lot of stuff. And then from there, I probably did every shift imaginable. I did, actually. Uh, The longest was probably nights. I worked there for 16 years. And it was a true joy. And until it wasn't. (laughs) That's definitely uh, another story for another podcast. As I mentioned, these guys who who helped me along the way, I'm sad to say that uh, Quite a few of them are not are no longer with us. Kyle Isley, who helped me with the board hopping, passed in '94. Bob Gaynor, my genius, my teacher, passed away in 2013. Drew, Drew, we lust for you, Townsend, passed away last year, and just very, very unexpectedly lost Scott the Ledge Legier last month. And these four gentlemen were instrumental in the beginnings of my career. I am forever grateful. And I want to dedicate this podcast to them because they really helped me out a lot in the beginnings. Thanks to Ward for the question. <laughs> I went from short answer to really long answer. But if, if you have any requests, it's Kimba Tyler at gmail.com. That'll work. At me underscore Kimba on Twitter. You can watch this podcast at youtube.com slash her Kimba. And thank you so much for listening to me, Kimba Radio Broad, episode two. Get a job. Get a job.